Heavenly Father, we rejoice in you. Thank you so much for this day. We thank you, Lord, as always, for your grace to us. We thank you, Lord, for the rich salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus, our blessed Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins, Lord. We thank you for the new life that is ours and all that you have uh, poured out into us. We thank you, Lord, that for the adoption and uh, for the fact that we are co-heirs with Christ. And Lord, uh, we are just so humbled by your great love and grace to us. We thank you for this evening, Lord, as we can continue in this study on uh, the importance of community. And Lord, we just pray that your spirit would lead and guide uh, the study and our conversation. And we offer it to you and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 All right, folks. All right. So have you ever been asked the question, uh, what are you so happy about? Or, what makes you so joyful at a time like this? Um, you know, hopefully we've all been actually asked that once, once, at least once in our Christian lives. And, uh, you know, because God wants us to be joyful and a joy-filled people. Um, it's not something we probably talk about a lot or think a lot about, um, but joy is essential to the Christian life. The scriptures are clear themselves. God's people are both commanded to rejoice and characterized by rejoicing. <clears throat> our Heavenly Father is not indifferent to our happiness. Joy is not a garnish on the dutiful entree of Christian life. And joy is not the icing on the cake, but an essential ingredient in a complex batter. So the question, let me ask you. Right now, if you had to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, how would you rate as a joyful person? Seven. How many? Seven, eight. Thank you for sharing. I know it's uh, always these questions always put everybody on the spot. I'm sorry. I fluctuate. <laughs> Can you repeat the question, Pastor Bob? Ellen fluctuates. Right now, if you had to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, how would you rate as a joyful person? Eight. Eight. Four. Four. Eight. Eight. I'm definitely a nine. Nine? Wow. She said nine? Why? Wow. Rest. I, I think you are John. I think you are more than four, John. I'm more than four, John. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, it's I'm a. Well, ask, we'll ask Terry. <laughs> yeah, that's a good person to ask. All right. And the follow-up question. All right, which we don't have to answer. If you, uh, but how would we rate our church on that scale? Uh, would we consider ourselves a a joyful or joy-filled church? I came across this uh, this uh, short article uh, while I was studying for this uh, lesson. I just want to read it because I thought it was so very good. <clears throat> um, joy should be the norm. It is true, of course, that joy isn't the only emotion we should and will experience. But whatever emotional condition God ministers to us, it shouldn't edge out joy. God encourages us to fear doing evil to be watchful against temptation, to be convicted of sin, to desire more progress in the Christian life, to sorrow over the fate of the wicked, or to feel horror at the idea of eternal punishment. Mm -hmm. All these things are right for us to feel at times, and sometimes such emotions 
should temporarily be prominent in our hearts. But joy is the Christian norm. Joy should predominate. There are few things Paul says to do always, but rejoicing in the Lord is one of them. The joy God wants us to experience is joy in Christ, not just happiness in general. The joy God wants us to always experience is a joy and a delight in Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always. If I said I rejoice in basketball, you would know what I meant. Basketball gives me great joy. This means that the matter in which we find joy is Christ. Or you might say that the subject which gives joy is Christ. Many people see joy in nature, sports, or travel, and there isn't anything wrong with such with enjoying such things. But our joy must be rooted in Christ, not in things that a person who doesn't know Christ can enjoy. Christian joy lasts when the earthly comforts flee, and so it transcends physical comforts. A Christian's joy should be specifically Christian. And that is what Paul is getting at when he says, rejoice in the Lord always. You may think that you enjoy Christ in nature, sports, or travel, and I would agree that you should do so. But if you find no joy in the revelation of Christ found in the Bible, I wonder about your enjoyment of creation. Hmm. You should too. Those who love his gifts, but not the giver, are no friends of his. Ultimately, you know what you love by how much thought you give it. If you really think of Christ, your love for him is negligible. Oh, that was a very good, a lot of insights uh, into joy in, in, that, in that couple of paragraphs there. You know, a joy is an important for the Christian in order to have the abundant life. In reference to uh, growing fruit, I'm sorry, my phone's going off here. Let me just silence this. Thank you. Uh, Jesus said uh, in John 15, 11, these things I've spoken to you so that my, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. God wants us to have a full life, not one of full of physical temporary happiness, but the abundant joy-filled life that comes from working in his kingdom. So let's start, I guess, start at the beginning and identify uh, some sort of working definition of joy. What do you say joy is? Content. Being content. Content. Contentment. Content. I think, yeah, content is good, I think, under any circumstance, Mm -hmm. regardless of circumstances. Good. Joy is anticipating a great future. You're looking forward to something. That's joy. Well, that I like what Steve said. I think it's the it's the knowledge that the future is better, no matter how bad it is now, and the ultimate future is phenomenal, no matter how good it is now. Right. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah, you're all right on target there. Uh, you know, simply put, biblical joy is choosing to respond to external circumstances, whether good or bad, mm. inner contentment satisfaction and security because we know that God will use these experiences to accomplish his work in and through our lives. And uh, in contrast, you know, happiness comes 
from happenings. Happiness mm. is, a, is a feeling we mm. get from positive externals. While joy, on the other hand, remains even in the most difficult trials mm. of life. And a lot of that has to do with uh, everything that you said, contentment, uh, the satisfaction, the security of knowing what lies ahead. Uh, mm. This is always uh, in scripture, the source of uh, the writer's joys. James 1, 2, and 3 reads, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Hmm. You know, Pastor, one of the, I think the key word in what you said is choosing. You know, we often made this, uh, you know, um, idea that difference between joy and happiness is happiness just happens to you as you said but joy is a is is a something that you actually have to do it is something that you say i am going to be joyous you know mm-hmm. it's, you can't you can't always say you're going to be happy but i choose to be joyous and i think choice is is important it's an active principle joy mm-hmm. uh, happiness is more passive Whereas joy is an active thing. You have to be, say, you have to basically say, I will be joyful. And, and the reason we have our joy is, of course, Christ. But then I can always say, I can always choose to be joyous because I have Christ. Good. Right. And, and that last part of what you said, Peter, is, is key to, uh, to being able to choose joy. I have Christ. Uh, what what could be a sufficient reason to always be joyful in the face of all the downsides to life in a fallen world? We don't want to muster up joy, you know, the, the old British stiff up the lip, regardless of what is happening. There is a basis for experiencing constant joy, and it is the glorious person of Christ and his finished work. God is not advocating a joy uh, a baseless joy. Mm-hmm. He's not promoting mindless catchphrases like, uh, don't worry, be happy. <laughs> <Remember that's laughs> um, the joy that God wants uh, you to have is fully justified by the facts. True biblical happiness and joy must be rooted in scriptural doctrine. Joy is the plant that grows in biblical soil. Remove it from that soil and it dies. Mm. There is no joy that pleases God that is not rooted in the truth of Scripture. And biblical joy is a response to what God has done for us in Christ, as Peter was pointing out before. And joy should be continual because the results of Christ's finished work are continual. To descend to gloom is to deny the greatness of his work. Hmm. To allow depression to win the day is to belittle him and say to him, my problems outweigh your salvation. Pastor Bob, there's, for me, joy, joy is being, is being a child of God and knowing my identity in Christ. I mean, everything you said is right. Uh, but to experience it, you have to, you have to know you belong to Christ. You walk with Christ and you're his child. You have the blessing as being his child. That's where you experience, that's where I experience the joy. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, our joy is, as these, uh, these words say, um, is based in the fact that we are in Christ. Mm-hmm. It's Christian joy that we are called to and uh, to rejoice in the Lord. Right. And I I think we have to be a little careful about, you know, depression in the sense that, you know, there's depression and there's depression. There's a depression that we sort of let ourselves into, but there's also a chemical depression that, you know, those that's different. That's a whole different world. Uh, I think the depression you're talking about belittling Christ and is that, you know, we deliberately do that. Versus, you know, I, you can't help it and, you know, you have to take whatever medications, whatever you have a, a medical or psychoneurologic condition that causes depression. Um, you know, Lord knows that if we didn't have Paxil and whatever, the, the world would end. But, you know, because so many people take it. But there is a chemical element depression it has nothing to do with what, we, what we're talking about here. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with you. I mean, you know, we're not talking medical uh, 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 depression. All right. But, you know, people can be depressed because, uh, they take their eyes off the Lord and his many benefits. All right. Um, and, and they begin to, uh, basically allow, we could say allow the devil a foothold, uh, to uh, begin to bring in all those negative thoughts, um, and just, which can just spiral down, down, downward. Uh, rather than, you know, keeping our mind and our hearts fixed upon the Lord. I think it has to be a conscious thing. I'm sorry. Conscious? It has to be a conscious thing. Um, I mean, you could be in a, in a state or, uh, I don't, you know, of, um, of things not going very well and they truly are not going very well. And so at that point, you have to really be aware that you have a choice, but it's a difficult one, you know? So I think we have to make a conscious effort to do that sometimes. It's just not a natural thing normally, I don't think. I think it's supposed to be, but I don't know if it really is. No, you're, think right. That- we, we, you're right in that we wrestle with our flesh. Yeah. Right? right. Um, and that's why it's important for us to remind ourselves of the truth of scripture. And the fact is that, you know, joy is a fruit of the spirit. Right. If you have the spirit within you, uh, you should be joyful. Okay. Now that doesn't mean that, that, you know, you go around grinning at every, everything in life. All right. That's, that's, that's being emotive and that could be false too. Uh-huh. And too many times people are, are false yes. in what they emotionally feel, but we should be uh, joyful. And that goes deep down, all right, and helps us uh, regard, to handle whatever circumstances goes along. Uh, you know, but the fruit of Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. To walk in the Spirit, okay, means we should be a joyful person. It's listed number two right after love, so... You know, if it was if it was being rated, would have to say in that verse it was pretty high. But that, but the important thing to remember is a Christian's joy is rooted in our theological understanding uh, of Christ and what He has done for us that overflows into our everyday life. Yeah. It affects. It also affects the world 
that watches us. Mm. You ever notice how, how quickly people are to point a finger at you when, when you do something that's not Christian? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, oh, yeah, and you're a Christian? You know, you show a little anger or something. It's like, oh, yeah, you're a Christian. What about what happened to turn the other cheek, you know? Um, so that, you know, the world watches, okay? Um, and we have a testimony. And uh, a joyful people uh, are attractive people. Mm. You know, Dr. Uh, uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote of the need for this type of joy and the hope as a witness in the world. He writes, if ever the world needed the witness and testimony of Christian people, it is a time at this present time. The world is unhappy. It is distracted and frightened. And what it needs is to see stars shining out of the heavens in the midst of its darkness, attracting the world by rebuking that darkness and by giving it light, showing how it can live that quality of life. So that, you know, joy transcends the circumstances as we, as we rest and trust in God and Christ through it. Whether, whatever the hardships and the, the downers, we see that there are actually opportunities, uh, to transcend and to grow in our faith and trust in God. Well, let's be honest. The, it's easier to be joyful when things are going great. I mean, let's be, let's face it. I mean, uh, if some tragedy befalls you and it's a terrible and sure, yes, sure. you, you have the, the, the joy of the Lord because of the ultimate destination and God in control and we're, we rest in that. But feeling joy at those times, I gotta say, might not be as easy as uh, we're making it sound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, you're absolutely right. And you know, being joyful does not, as we spoke about in the beginning, eliminate all those other emotions. Uh, and often the, the the sadness and the trauma that we might go through, it doesn't say, well, you can't feel that. I mean, look at Christ Himself. I mean, He experienced great emotions, uh, and all your your persons within the Bible. Look at David and the Psalms. I mean, to talk about roller coasters, ups and downs. All right, and yet there was that joy that I'd say stabilized. You know. Those great ocean liners, they don't tip over because they, they're stabilized. They go through the storms and they and they rock, but they don't tip. Mm. And that's kind of like joy within us. I wanted to say yes. that joy can be um, related to being um, faith because you have to have faith about, you know, that something is going to happen then you know, then you be joyful about it. So joy and faith to me kind of like works together because you be fit. You have faith that, um, you know, we are saved by faith and that's why we are joyful. Like, you know, we are going to see the Lord. So yes, yeah, we, we absolutely need faith in order to be in Christ. And, it, you know, again, the joy that we're talking about is joy in Christ. Rejoice in the Lord. Okay, um, this is this is the source of Christian joy. But uh, obviously, we have to be in Christ, which requires faith. Um, you know, and uh, you know, Paul reminds us, you know, when we're going, you know, regardless of what we're going through, um, in um, 
uh, Philippians of 4, 8. You know, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And thinking about such things stoke the flames of joy. When we think about all that the Lord has done for us, and even in the most difficult times when we walk through the valley of shadow of death, uh, when all we can see uh, is, you know, the distant light, but we know that it's there, all right? God helps us and walks with us. And um, so, you know, that, that's what makes joy different than happiness. Pastor Bob, it seems like uh, Philippians 4.8 indicates that that joy is actually a spiritual discipline that takes practice, both in the good times and the bad times, developing a practice of joy in one's life. Uh, in the, the Philippians 4.8, the meditating on whatever, 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 but it indicates a, a practice to it, a practice to joy. You can't just, you can't just expect to be joyful in, in, in adversity if you haven't practiced being joyful in good times or bad times. Yeah. Uh, just a thought. Can yeah. we, can, can we say, can we say that, um, uh, when Jesus said, um, rejoice when you are being persecuted, uh, uh, because you are my disciple. And if we go to all those people that they're being, uh, condemned to death and they were, they faces death singing, uh, uh, and joyful, uh, to mm -hmm. suffering for yeah. Christ. So I agree with John. It is a, 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 a discipline. Uh, that we have to utilize in no matter what the situation in our life, even if it goes against our own survival, the Bible commands us to be joyful about those things. Uh, you know, the people that, that uh, the martyrs were joyful because like Stephen, they were looking ahead. Okay. They, they knew what awaited them. Mm -hmm. Right. And that gave them mm -hmm. great courage. And, and one of the other characteristics that fuels joy, uh, is gratitude. Okay. Being thankful yes. to God. Yes. Okay, for all that he's done. Remember the old chorus, you know, count your blessings. Yeah. One by one. One by one. Uh, yeah. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And, you know, when we truly reflect upon all that the Lord has done for us, you know, each and every day, uh, you know, we can't help but feel gratitude and gratitude, uh, you know, bubbles up in joy. Yes, yes. And we're very thankful for all that the Lord has done for us. But it requires us to know what the Lord has done for us. Mm -hmm. It requires us to be in the scriptures uh, mm -hmm. and understand everything that God has, has done for us and promises us yet. Pastor, can we have joy without relationship with one another? No. We can have joy in the Lord, but, uh, you know, God's, God works both horizontally and vertically. And the community of God, the body of Christ, should be filled with joy because we share those blessings in Christ. Um, so, you know, we, I don't think we could be very joyful unto the God while we are hating our brother. That's true. 
right. I was going to say that um, I think for witnessing, uh, as you said, Pastor, that that's really, really important, the joy. Um, because I think I shared once that my sister is an unbeliever said to me, and one other person also said to me, why would we want to be a Christian? I look at you. You're always sad and moody and miserable. Um, and I said, yes, I agree that when I'm with you, I am that way because it grieves me so much. It just grieves me so much that uh, you'll remain so closed to the love of Christ. But that's not going to do it. If you're going to go around grieving, and I do grieve a lot for the unbelievers, but as far as witnessing, you're not going to do anybody to want to know about Jesus if you're just going around being miserable. So, but I also think, and also I love what um, John said because um, Paul says, you know, when he gave that verse on uh, Philippians 4, uh, 8, he says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen from me, put it into practice. And it really begins with our thoughts um, that when they come, uh, this negative thinking, you know, my thinking about, you know, uh, the people of my family and others who are unbelievers, you know, just all these really condescending thoughts, which are terrible. They just make you feel horrible. You know, I mean, it just doesn't do anything. It's, it's the opposite of joy. So we, we really have to take this, um, you know, this, um, advice <laughs> command. Of, I mean, I look at this command, you know, that to think of things, it just, you know, just cut off those thoughts. Yeah, you know, it's, and it's, then just cut them off and just say, God, help me to think of things that are true, that are noble, that are worthy, praise, pure. And yeah, we could you know, do it, but it's it's discipline. It's self-discipline. It does take discipline, but you know, uh, the more you love something, the more you generally talk about it, the more you think about it. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know, what, what, especially when 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 you when you're first dating or or you're you're first married, you know, that's all you think about, right? I mean, when, especially when you're dating, right? You're, you're, you're trying to get together as many times as possible. It doesn't matter the time. All you're talking about with your friends is this wonderful girl I found, all right? And, uh, you know, you're filled with joy over it, all right? Um, and, you know, God calls us to kind of have that joy in Christ and re- revel in what God has done for us. God has not called us to be Christian Eeyores. You know who Eeyore is? No. Eeyore is the, the, the donkey character in Winnie the Pooh. And Eeyore suffers from depression. Oh. All right, not chemical, but just his perspective on life. So, uh, for example, you could say, good morning, Eeyore. And he'll say, if it is a good morning, which I doubt, <laughs> right so and this is how he goes through life okay he's just a, a negative person instead of finding the silver lining he's always finding the, the, the black lining all right mm-hmm. um but god doesn't call us to that and yet so many christians all they do is complain all right and you can't tell them apart from the world and you know uh it's it's not an attractive thing like, why should i go to church you're more miserable than i am <laughs> right? and uh you know i'd rather go down to the corner bar and have a you know a few drinks and laughs so uh you know so there is that real sense of you know what is our testimony and where is the joy in the lord 
Um, are, are we radiating it? Are we talking about it? You know, does, uh, you know, do we think it? Are we filled with that type of gratitude? Let me ask somebody to turn to uh, uh, Matthew 6. Um, Pastor Bob, I have a question. Yes, uh, Bridget. Sounds like Bridget. Yes, this is me. I'm sorry. I came in a little bit late. That's okay. So, I mean, you're talking about joy and, um, you know, as Christians, yes, we are to be joyful. And, you know, I mean, personally speaking, because I know who I am, I know I have joy inside, right? And I can be really happy inside. But at the same time, I know that I have a serious persona. And sometimes people might look at me and they might say, smile, why don't you smile? But inside, deep down, I know that I am happy. I know that I am, you know, I, I am not sad or I have, um, or I'm miserable with the world. Hmm. You know, but ever since, I mean, growing up as a child, I've always been like that. Right. I don't know if it's my, I don't want to say it's my culture or, you know, just how I am, <laughs> but that's just a part of who I am. No, yes. It doesn't mean that I'm miserable, but sometimes people might look at me and say, oh my God, she's so serious. But inside of me, I am, there's a joy inside and I'm very happy and I'm content and I'm okay. So, you know, I'm just wondering how do I, I mean. It, <laughs> no, you, uh, yeah, I, this is a very common thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it brings up a very good point, Bridget, um, because we shouldn't be being joyful with being emotional. Right. Okay. Some people are outwardly very emotional. You know, their emotions are on their sleeve. Uh, you can tell when they're, you know, they're, they're always happy, they're smiling, or they're very sad, all right? Uh, they are very emotive, all right? But you can be a joyful person and not be emotive. Okay. Okay? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm like that. I mean, I, I, I am a, I'm a very emotional person inward, but I'm not emotive outwardly. Okay, right. I my kids even say that, you, you know, you kind of just stayed, you know, very, 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 uh, you know, flatlined. Mm -hmm. All right. But it, it doesn't mean that there's no joy. Um, and I find that even the, the older I get, the more emotional I get. And I find myself tearing up with these, uh, you know, shows on TV. I mean, it's like, what, what's going on here, you know? And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so you're right, Bridget. You know, it's just, it's just, you know in a sense, who we are, but as long as we have the joy of the Lord in us. And right. I might give you a, you know, somebody tells you that, well, why don't you smile once in a while? I say, well, I, you know, I smile all the time inside. You know, I might give you an opportunity then to talk about how the Lord is inside of you. Mm -hmm. one, one thing that I don't like, all right, is sometimes when you see TV passes and such, and they try to be cheerleaders to make you more emotional. Right. And, and to generate emotion. But if it's not really coming from the heart, then it's it's just all facade. It's all facade. yes, yes. All right, you know, it's, because, we don't go to church for rah rah rah. All right. Now, if somebody wants to, you know, say rah 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 from a heart that's truly, uh, you know, overflowing with Thanksgiving, that's fine. But mm -hmm. I find it difficult when they they keep harping at it. And like, if you don't show that emotion, then you know you're not worshiping. Right. Or like that. Yeah, it's just, I think I get judged a lot. You know, people might say, "Oh my God, she's so serious." You know, but in deep down inside of me, you know, I am, I know, you know, personally that I'm happy and I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm bursting with joy inside. 
but yeah, it's just and, and I don't like I say right. if, if if that comes up in the conversation I would go mm-hmm. there all right I I wouldn't you know just uh, you know let it pass off and I'd kind of explain it I think it might be an, an opportunity to witness mm-hmm. and say you know the, how how the joy of the Lord uh, just fills you inside and um, you know and go from there okay thank you. Does anybody get to Matthew 6, verse 25 through 34? Okay, I uh, have no volunteers. All right, let me read this then. I got it. I got it. I got it. Who's got it? I do. I do. John. Okay. John. Okay. John. Okay. 25 to 34. If somebody else wants to, it's fine. But... All right. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you oh, wait a minute, John. Hold on a minute, John. I want you to listen to how many times he, the word worry comes up. Because one of the greatest robbers of joy is worry. So go ahead, John. Start again. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Okay, so what are you worrying about? <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and, and, and worry is, is the, I think, the opposite of joy, okay? Um, it really uh, sucks the life uh, out, of, out of joy out of that contentment, out of that satisfaction, out of that security. Um, and a lot of that has to go back to uh, the faith, trust that we have in God to, to care for us and to provide for us. All right. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Okay. Um, now, when Paul talks about, uh, being anxious and the Bible talks about worrying. It's, it's that type uh, of severity that causes you to either be paralyzed or, or not to follow uh, God's, God's word. Okay. Um, there is a time uh, in, in the scripture where Paul actually writes that he was uh, anxious about the, the health of Epaphroditus and he had to send them back because he was concerned that he might die. All right. So, I mean, none of us can escape some degree of concern, all uh, right? But the worry and the anxiety that we're told to avoid is that which paralyzes us from doing what is right 
and striking out on our own strength uh, without uh, resting in the Lord and seeking his will uh, for us. Um, one of the big problems, too, uh, about worry, and this leads into a theological uh, uh, problem, and this the book that I'm using uh, talks a great deal about it. I'm not going to talk a great deal about it because we don't have that much time. Um, but uh, the book draws attention to the anxiety we may experience when we confuse our justification with our sanctification. All right. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure you're savvy enough to know justification and sanctification. Uh, justification is the theological term that refers to God's once for all declaration of forgiveness and pardon, a mm. legal term. So it might help to picture a heavenly courtroom where God's, uh, is the judge and you stand before him guilty. But because of your faith in Christ and his death on the cross on your behalf, the gavel falls and God pronounces you not guilty. You are forgiven, freed, and pardoned. The guilty verdict is transferred to Christ. But that's not all. So is his perfect righteousness, which is credited to you. So that's our justification. Once for all. When we come to faith in Christ, we are forgiven once for all, and it can never be uh, relinquished. It can never be overturned, all right? Because you would have to overturn the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf. Hmm. The other term, sanctification, refers to our ongoing transformation into Christ-likeness. It's a progressive journey towards holiness that continues throughout our lives. It's sometimes it proceeds at a dramatic and breathtaking pace. And other times it's slow and methodical. But we remember that God is faithful. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. While justification is a one-time act by God, sanctification is his work in us. That is a progressive, continual, daily effort. Well, when we get those two mixed up, it robs us of our joy mm. because it robs us of our security. See, if you have to, if your justification is in any way resting upon your performance, then you're in trouble. Mm. Then you can't have the, that joy. You might have it today, but because you had that evil thought or you said that bad thing or you, something else came along, you don't have it tomorrow. All right. And so, you know, when we get them confused, we don't have that security and it robs our joy. So we got to keep those two uh, theological concepts and teachings correct. All right. Um, and this is what they also call the security uh, of the believer. Once saved, always saved. There are a number of different uh, terms that are used. In speaking of uh, uh, to his disciples, um, uh, after they had, he had sent them out and, uh, they came back and they were uh, so excited about uh, having authority to cast out demons in Luke 10 20, uh, Jesus says, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Again, going back to the source of our joy, our names are written in heaven and nobody can erase it. 
Nobody can take that away. And speaking of his sheep who know his voice, Jesus stated in John 10, 28, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. What a great source of joy is our security, knowing that uh, our salvation is firm. Pastor Bob? Yes, Annette. I I was thinking, all this time I've been thinking about joy, um, and I'm thinking to myself, um, because we know who he is, like you're saying, and because we are part of him, we have a very rich joy. It's, It's very different than an earthly joy. So in other words, when you see a person who seems to be joyful but still does not know the Lord, his joy is sort of shallow. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, it could actually, it could be shallow. It could be deep for him. For him. But I'll tell you one thing, uh, it's temporary. Yes, it's very temporary. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Where uh, the Christian joy in the Lord is for eternity. Exactly. Our joy in the Lord will only grow and once we cross that bridge from this life to the next, okay, we'll experience a joy we can't even imagine now. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that um, Christian joy, it's definitely based on Christ and our salvation. I, I just remember when I was uh, teaching and I would be driving to work every day and I would be listening to um, pretty regularly Tim Keller's sermons. And no matter what passage he was on, uh, in Bible, it would, it always brought, uh, us back. The end would be to bring us back to the cross. And you just had a, a brilliant way to do that and made the cross so real. So I would just get out of the car and just be filled with joy and just get into school. And the kids would say, Oh, there's Miss Happy Ang, you know, coming down the hallway. Uh, I mean, it didn't always last, you know, when I had a tough class, but, um, <laughs> It, just like the, just what you said, that we're justified, that um, we're just in Him forever. Our, so secu- we're secure in our salvation, and I think as we think about it, as you spoke about it, Pastor, I just felt such joy. So it's so important that we don't wait until uh, Good Friday and um, Easter to just remember the cross and the resurrection. I think that when we when that is real to us and it should be real to us every day, that's when we just feel joy. And there's nothing that really can take away that joy. Amen. This yeah. was why we also had difficulty us, us ex Catholics never knew. Like we could have gone to confession Saturday and left confession and committed a sin. I'm like, Oh my gosh, is that venial? Is that mortal? Am I going to go to hell? I better not. I better go every week. And you just never knew. And there was no, not only no joy, it was fear. You were terrified. And you always wondered. And at some point you just, you know, like uh, I, with our, with, the, with the, the biblical faith, it's like John MacArthur said, if I could lose my salvation, I'd have lost it. Like <laughs> 10 minutes after I got saved, I'd have been done. I'd have been finished. But since we did nothing to do to obtain it, we could do nothing to do to lose it. And that's just like, I rest in that. Not because I'm perfect, far from it. But I just can't imagine having a mortal sin and having a venial sin and am I in or am I out? Am I going to stick in purgatory? I mean, as Catholics know all about 
Yeah, and you know, this was this was Luther's great dilemma. Okay, Luther understood sin, and he was terrified of eternal damnation. And he would go to confession, the confessional. Okay, um, and obviously in the Catholic Church, he was, you know he was a monk, and he would spend hours in there, hours until the priest threw him out, and he'd be back the next day. And now he's a monk who goes nowhere, all right? And he could be come back the next day, and again, hours, all right? And he was tortured by the fact that he might have forgotten to confess one sin, one evil thought, okay? Um, and it got so bad that he actually shouted out one time when the guy said, just, just get out of here and love God. He said, love God? He says, I hate God. Because he was so, so felt he was so guilty and under the wrath of God. And of course, once he said that, then he thought he committed blasphemy. Um, but you know, God graciously led him to the truth that started the Reformation. But yeah, and it, you know, we, we sometimes don't rest enough in, uh, you know, the, the justification that is ours, the, the salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus. And it doesn't remove the sanctification. You know, we're still here. And, uh, you know, if I give you an illustration, let, let me give you this illustration. Your, your, your unknown but extremely wealthy uncle died. Okay. And he has left you a uh, hundred million dollars to be collected at age 65. No strings attached. All right. Now that's going to change your perspective on life. All right. But depending upon your age now, you still have to, work and and live and 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 you know buy food and take care of yourself until you're 65 but as you're doing that you got your eye on that 65 and that 100 million dollars and you're very secure okay you're not worried too much about your financial uh stability and security and that's a little bit like justification and sanctification okay Justification is there, okay? We're justified. It's done. It's over. It's done. But we're still here. And we are in the process of being sanctified and we're, we're being transformed into the image of Christ. And that takes a daily, uh, work and effort, uh, to be led by the Spirit in all things. So, um, Pastor Bob, uh, I was just going to ask a question. So, you know, sure. we started the study talking about community and how um, God is a triune God. We talked about, you know, the things that can keep us from being, you know, good, contribute to the community of the church, right? The, the things that, the, the five things that, you know, were selfies or the uh, such as, you know, self-reliance, self-sufficiency, being protective, uh, you know, seeking importance, self-will, right? We talked about, uh, you know, the things that, um, you know, that made good friends, right? How to be a good friend, how to be discerning of good friends, barriers to the community, Christian community. We talked about all those things, prejudice and priorities and worldliness individualism how does this joy fit into the community part i'm, I'm, I'm missing the connection in the community. anybody have any ideas that they want to share well that's that's why um 
I asked the question if we can um, have real joy without relationship. Um, because with, without community, I don't think that we can experience uh, the joy. And remember, I cannot even have a good relationship with God if I don't have a good relationship with my brothers and sisters. So it is connected. Uh, uh, the fruit of the spirit, the first one is love and the second is joy. And it is a, a building from there. So I, I think uh, it is a great uh, uh, um, teaching about relationship. And even we can tie it up, you know, when the Bible say that we are the salt of the earth. And 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 uh, as a, as a Christian, and uh, you know the testimony that we are supposed to give, uh, um, how we're gonna relate to each other, it is this joy should be always there. Yes, the the thing is that to be joyful is a mark of the Christian community. Okay, um, it should give evidence of our unity as brothers and sisters. It should be the flavor uh, uh, that, that that the world can can see and and can taste. All right, um, you know, because it's a fruit of the spirit. It's the same spirit within all of us, so we should all be sharing that same joy. Right. Um, so it, it is not again like this. This we we started. This is not just something that you know a little. Uh, 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 icing uh, on the cake or anything like that. Okay. This is something that should be uh, marking both the individual as well as the community, uh, because of, uh, what Christ has done for us all. And each one of us, uh, should be, uh, joyful in that. And, uh, that joy should be, uh, the source of joy for others. Pastor? Can I say, uh, who's that, Patty? Yeah. So whoever just spoke, I don't know. I don't know who his name is, but uh, what is it? What is it? Winston. Winston. Um, I think he just said something so very basic, because as we're talking about joy and love and relationships, I think that first of all, our relationship with God is an everyday activity, a discipline a hope, a belief, right? Getting closer, making that effort to fall in love with God, get to know him every day, right? That's one part. But our relationship with people is where we really exercise the discipline or the faith and the, the works of the works part of our, of the spirit love to love fervently our brothers, which can be really hard. Right. And Anna was saying she has her issues with her her grief. And uh, we all have family members or friends that can really challenge us. They hurt us. They reject us. Well, they're just a general, you know, challenge. But the idea of being able to forgive 70, seven times 70 a day to an offense, to love beyond that offense or the whatever the difficulties, the, the challenges are, that love and that action to me is where the witness really comes in and the joy comes in because it's we we successfully overcome the petty flesh and we ride into the the spiritual high of obedience and the fruit of that so um what i what you were saying um 
I'm sorry, I forgot, Winston. I just felt like in community, that's where it's really exercised in a church with all the difficult personalities, with all everything, you know, to still be able to love one another because we're able to forgive and we have, and it, it and that I think transforms people's hearts when that, when that, uh, I'm sure you are getting what I'm saying, you know, but I'm, I think it's in the action of everyday relationships that, um, that a lot of that is proven. Good. Good. Thanks, Patty. When, when I go to church, I look at that church, um, as a family. Um, and there isn't probably a family member that I don't talk to in my own family, let alone in the church that, um, I try to get to know in some way because, um, they are encouraging to me when they share something and I'm praying for them and something is happening. And so when I go to church, I'll ask people, well, how's this going or how's that going? And, and they'll, and I'll see, you know, how, how we're moving on together, you know, to, um, whether it might be a tough relationship with a child or a neighbor or, um, work situation, um, and I like it when people show that kind of interest in me, you know, and ask me how we're do how we're doing. And I might not always be happy when I have to say, oh, Heather still has her, um, her, uh, concussion and she was really bad this week. That might not have a happiness in me, but the joy that I'm looking for is that Heather's going to hold on to God and know that he's good and that we're praying for that, you know, so it, it is a community event. I, I mean, being joyful alone doesn't really I mean it's nice but it's just so much better when you have somebody to share that deep-seated joy with because on top of that deep-seated joy is often disappointment yeah the other aspect too I have a question I have a question so does um for the fruit of the spirit does a believer a Christian has to have all the fruit of the spirit does the Christian have to possess all love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness? Yes. Is it, is it something that a Christian has to possess all of it or people can have parts of it and seek to grow in an aspect? Uh, yes. Uh, you should have all of them. You'll have them in varying degrees, but you should seek to uh, grow in all, in all of them. Okay, yeah. Okay, people, because why I'm asking this is that so many people might not have that fullness of joy because the first question you asked was where people are in their scale of, you know, happiness or joy. I don't know the language used, but people might not have that fullness right now, but they might be striving towards getting to 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that can be said for all of us. And that's also why. We are told so often to encourage one another, uh, so that we can be, you know, you could be, your joy can be overflowing and lifting up some person who is not quite there, uh, either on that day or not, not arrived yet. Um, so, but the other, th other aspect too, uh, is that our worship comes from our joy. All right. We worship out of joy. We don't worship out, out, out of duty. Okay, uh, we may be going through the motions, but real worship comes from joy and thanksgiving and praise. And we'll be doing that for all eternity around the throne. All right. 
Um, and, and that's, that again is something that unites the community is that joy in the Lord and, and as expressed in worship. Okay. Um, our time is up. Any other questions before I close out? Thoughts or opinions? I would just respond to uh, Chimsey saying that I agree with the fruit of the spirit should be something we all achieve. And there are certain of those things she just listed where I, my fruit could feed everyone on this thing. There are others where we'd have to be dividing up a raisin <laughs> and we'd probably have to be giving out small pieces because I'm not anywhere near that yet. So I think we are, uh, that's our part of our sanctification, those areas we need to be improving on and so on and so forth. Absolutely. And like I say, nobody's perfect. We're not there yet. Okay. We're all under construction in some form. And uh, it's good that, you know, you, we can recognize uh, both our strengths as well as our weaknesses. And we can work on those weaknesses and encourage others by, by our strengths. I think it's interesting that it's, it's singular fruit of the spirit. Yes. Not fruits of the spirit. So because they all really come together. No, yeah, really, it's, it's, it's kind of like thinking of a bunch of grapes. You know, they're all connected. They're all different, but they're all connected. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. mm -hmm. so I think that's the picture that's coming across there. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. All right, uh, thank you all for being here. Let me uh, close this out in prayer. <clears throat> Lord God, we do praise you and thank you, Lord. And Lord, uh, indeed, we are joyful, Lord. Um, we are so thankful for all that you have done for us. Lord, help us to be even more joyful as we uh, continually reflect upon all that you have done for us and your great love for us when we didn't deserve it, Lord. And uh, uh, you loved us while we were yet sinners. And yet, Lord, we praise you and we give you great thanks. Fill us with the joy of the Spirit, with the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, and we'll, we'll thank you for it all. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.